Welcome, everybody, to this month's edition of the Nerdthusiast Movie Podcast. Uh, my name's Dane. I'll be a bit of the host today. Uh, I'm here with Brandon Foster. He's going to help us go through the movie Top Gun, which just came out a little bit ago. Uh, say hi, Brandon. Hey, what's going on? So Brandon's going to be here. Uh, we're going to ask a couple of more specific questions about Top Gun and some of the things that are a um, little bit too Hollywood, probably. A little uh, bit, yeah. This. <laughs> I'm, uh, uh, I, I was never in the Air Force. You were, and we'll go over that, but... I enjoyed it without knowing too specific of stuff. Before we start, um, make sure that everybody goes to nerdthusiast.com and uh, check out. We always have new blogs going up. We always have people writing a bunch of stuff. We have pretty much a new show every day, if not every other day. You know what I mean? So there's plenty of stuff out there. Uh, I do want to give a quick shout out. Uh, Bernardo is one of our Patreons. Remember, go to patreon.com slash nerdthusiast. Uh, if you're already not there, check out our different tiers and everything. But, Bernardo, we're going to give you a shout-out for this movie. And uh, at the end, we'll give you another shout-out. I'll tell you why. That's pretty much it. So we're going to talk about Top Gun. Top Gun is the sequel, of course, to 1986's original Top Gun. Uh, that was directed by Tony Scott. This one's directed by Joseph Kaczynski, starring Tom Cruise, of course. Brandon, let me just get your, your, your thoughts real fast. What do, you, what do you think of the movie? I absolutely loved it. I when I when the movie finished, I leaned over to the, the this older lady that I was sitting next to, and we had been talking before the movie started, and we were both like, we've been waiting thirty something years for this movie to come out. And after it was over, and the credits roll, we both just kind of the lights went up. We just kind of looked at each other, and I think I looked at her and said, I think that was worth the wait. And she was like, uh, every second worth every second of the wait. I was eagerly anticipating this movie for quite some time and I was very devastated that COVID, you know, held up the the release of this movie for a number of reasons. And even even doing what I do in the Air Force, I was totally fine with hitting the make believe button a little bit and just accepting that that Hollywood has to do Hollywood things. And I absolutely loved every second of this movie. There's you know those you know those movies where people are like people actually clap during the movie and you're like, all right, it's it's a movie. <laughs> right, this right. one, there was actual times where people clapped and I was like I want to be on board with you on that one. Like I, I, yes. You know, they, I actually had like emotional reactions to this movie because of how, how invested I felt like I was in it. Gotcha. So you, you are in there for, let's talk about that for a few minutes. We'll put the movie okay. on pause. We'll, we'll talk about that for a second. Um, what is it that you do in the military? What, uh, what do you, what is your job? How long have you been in the military? So I have been in the air force for uh, going on 15 years. Uh, I'm an Air Force intelligence officer, and really what I need to do is be able to provide uh, expertise in geopolitical events, uh, letting my commanders like know what's going on in the world and why it's important and how it's going to affect our operations. And then I also have to be a threat systems expert, meaning I have to be able to look at our adversaries' weapon systems and say, here is how it works, here's how we defeat it. Hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of shit you can't talk about. <laughs> <laughs> So let me ask you, so seeing the first Top Gun, how old do you think you were? How old were you when the first Top Gun came out? Because I was a kid. So I was I was three when the first Top Gun came out, but I vividly okay. remember being like five or six and watching it for the first time because my dad was in the Air Force and my mom was in the Air Force as well. So that was kind of like, a, and granted, I understand it's a Navy movie, but it was still like a, a big movie that the entire family loved. And I think I've watched it with my, my dad a number, a number of occasions. Yeah. Uh, fun fact that I read at one point, you know, you can totally – call bullshit on this if you want uh when you watch the first top gun the missile shot that you see all those missile shots happening they only were able to fire the missile one time in the first top gun because it costs so much money and they just filmed it from different angles because they knew they were going to need multiple uh, uh missile launches in the video but right. when you watch the first top gun only one missile was fired because it costs so much money really yeah, I do know that even as a kid, when I saw the movie, I picked out there are multiple shots used over and over. Well, there's at least one or two shots that are duplicated in the big dog fight at the end. And I yep. never miss it. And my girl recently watched the movie for the first time, maybe about three months ago, four months ago. And when we're watching the movie, she even says that shot was already we already saw that shot. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, mm -hmm. they when making that movie, Tony Scott directed that movie. Um, you know, there's a lot of. There's a lot of model work in that movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's, you know, that's how they did a lot of the special effects in that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, you know, the old, 
you know, stick someone in a fake, uh, in a fake, uh, cockpit and, you know, move them around a little bit and stuff like that. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of that in that movie. This movie of course is the complete opposite of that, <laughs> you know, the, the last dogfight scene in the first top gun, I actually use that dogfight scene and clips of that dogfight scene to teach lessons about how radars work, uh, to my subordinates. And if you've ever seen the last dogfight scene in which they're like, oh, there's five bogeys at, you know, 600 nautical miles traveling, uh, you know, whatever nautical miles an hour. And then all of a sudden the guy goes, oh, there's there's six bogeys at whatever nautical miles an hour. I always teach. I always use that to teach my lessons about radar resolution cells. So if you've ever seen that scene, you now understand how radar resolution cells work and how enemies can actually hide inside of radar resolution cells. Gotcha. It's 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 wild how the electromagnetic spectrum works, and you can talk about it all you want because it's it's everybody uses the electromagnetic spectrum. And that's how they find them. That's that's how they see. All right. So let me ask you, just because yeah. I'm incredibly ignorant to this. Okay. In every movie between submarine movies, they have to put something on screen for dumb people like me <laughs> to understand. Like, okay, so look, this little because if they showed me, yeah, look, this blob is supposed to be something. Like I wouldn't understand it, so they have to make movies and yeah, put little yeah, pictures yeah. Of, of of airplanes that are turning mm -hmm. as they as as the radar sees them. Yeah, Is no. Anything like that? No, <laughs> it's they, not like that. Usually, there's symbology, and every radar is going to have its own different symbology, but it's never going to look like a little. It's never going to look like a little airplane like traveling across your screen, being like, right. "Oh, there he is," you know. Exactly. Um, there's symbology that shows you the direction of travel and how fast things are, are traveling when you look at your, your radar scope. But no, it's not going to look like an actual shape of a, of a weapon. Because honestly, when, thing, when, when, elect, when the radar energy hits something and it reflects back, we don't actually know what it was um, until you start to really use other sensors to um, really narrow down what you're looking at. I mean, even even the ground can reflect as as something being there because it's just taking returns from electromagnetic energy reflecting off of something. So then let me ask you this question then. If you have, I don't know, if you have a plane coming from 100 miles away, there's unless you knew it was one or the other, you wouldn't know what kind of plane it was, right? No, you don't. And like we would have a we'd have a guess based on a number of factors, but in reality we we may not know what plane that is. And there's there's different methods that can be used to identify whether or not it's an adversary or a friendly aircraft, it's, especially if it's not if it's not speaking. Like if it's, if you don't hear anybody on the radio or anything like that, um, there's ways that it can be identified. But in reality, like we're not 100 percent sure who that is out there or even what that is out there. Right. Until okay. we until we really narrow it down, like as it gets closer. Okay. So the, how do you narrow it down? I'm just curious. Uh, there's a number of ways we can do it. Okay. All right. All right. Well, that'll get. That's 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 not the point of this conversation. But that's yeah. interesting to know, though, because I'm always looking at them. I'm like, there's there's got to be bullshit here. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. So yeah, let's talk a little bit more about the movie art. So the um, Top Gun Maverick. Uh, directed by Joseph Kaczynski. Now, I don't know how big of a movie buff you are, but Joseph Kaczynski, uh, he did the he did the Tron sequel that came out like a bunch of years ago. That was a good movie. He also did Oblivion, which I think might be with Tom Cruise. Um, oh, the where he like finds that he's like uh, like a hunter on the the planet, and he like still wears his baseball cap, but he's actually just been replicated a bunch of times. That Oblivion. Uh, that's, that might be edge of tomorrow or no, or no, I don't remember Oblivion, <laughs> but I, I do know. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I know it had something to do with like a round ship and I think you wore like a yep. white futuristic yep. suit. So I don't remember exactly yeah. what was going on. Um, that was a good movie. I forget it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I liked it at the, at the time. Um, so this movie is really like, uh, like an amalgam of a lot of Tom Cruise people. Because mm -hmm. the writer of this movie, one of the writers, is Christopher McQuarrie. Right? Um, Christopher McQuarrie wrote, I think, Jack Reacher. And then he started to direct a bunch of stuff. He's on his fourth Mission Impossible movie that he wrote and directed. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, 
So yeah, him and Tom Cruise apparently do a lot of things. So he just brought everybody that he knew in this. Plus Jerry Brockheimer, the producer of the first one. The actors, Tom Cruise obviously is back as Maverick. Val Kilmer is back as Iceman, uh, who has a very small scene, but it's good that he was in the movie. I think they um, absolutely positively needed to have Val Kilmer. I know Val Kilmer has his health issues, but to leave Iceman out, I right. thought would have been an absolute tragedy, especially with how like how they portrayed how their relationship had become like this very um, mutually needed relationship and friendship throughout that movie. I um, I thought was was a perfect kind of ending to be like, hey, we all know Val Kilmer is not going to be with us much longer, and to kind of give him this tribute as his last, you know, uh, moment as Iceman, I thought was a really important thing, and I really enjoyed the fact that they included him in it. Yeah, well, last moment as Iceman, because I guess we we're going to talk about spoilers. He dies in the movie. <laughs> okay, yeah. So I'm sorry. A couple minutes ago, we can put up the spoiler alert, but of course. They, it's the first thing that they say about him. The other thing that I like about him too is that he did have a plot purpose. Like yeah. his character had a plot purpose. You know what I mean? He was the one covering Maverick's ass for a majority of it. Um, yeah. And then when he didn't, he got pulled. And then he had to, uh, he had to put his big dick uh, moment out there and say, "Look, I'm going to do it and show you how to do it." And then he did it. Yeah. So that was cool. I liked that part of it. I liked that they used his character for something good. And, and that was like the, you know, um, that was like the, the even, go, even go back to the first one where Maverick loses his confidence. And right. you, you juxtapose that against this one where Maverick had even admitted, he's like, I'm not an instructor. Like, I don't know how to instruct these kids. Like, I'm a, an operator. And that's one of like a, like a military term. Like, there are some people that can instruct and there's some people that's like, I know how to do this. Mm -hmm. You can watch me do it. And that's, that's one deal, but I can't really teach you how to do it. And that was the problem with him is that he didn't know how to teach these kids how to do what he already knew how to do. And I think going to, to and especially with like, you know, what do I do about Rooster? Like Rooster has mm -hmm. meant the world to him after, after losing Goose. And he, I think Maverick lost, was at the point where he like lost his confidence. And, you know, the one person that had actually chipped away at his confidence a little bit in the first movie and helped him regain that confidence in the, in the end was also the person that helped him regain the confidence in the second movie as like a, as almost like a parting gift. Like, Hey, I'm going to die. This is my parting gift to you. I'm going to help you remember that you are Maverick. Like at this moment, I'm going to help you remember that. Yeah. 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 It was good to see him. Apparently, apparently I guess they, they use, they, used a computer to generate his voice or maybe an AI or something like that. That's if what I, I heard. remember reading or something like that, um, which is a bummer. can't talk. Miles Teller is Rooster, who is Goose's yeah. son from the first movie, who is in the first movie for a second as a little kid. I forget what else Miles, Miles Teller is in. I don't know if I've ever really seen him in a movie. I've heard his name. Oh, I know he was in the movie where he was a drummer and What's-His-Face won, won an Oscar for it. Whiplash, right? Which I didn't see. Yeah. It's one of those movies that's like a gap in my in my movie. Oh, it was good. You know what I mean? Yeah, I can't remember his his antagonist, what the, the name of the actor of his antagonist in that movie, but that guy, you know, he's the kind of guy that will really get under your skin. Uh, Miles Teller was in Fantastic Four, and he was also in that boxing movie. I can't remember where he played the guy who was going to fight Roberto Duran, but but he got into a car accident. Um, he was in he was in the new uh, Footloose. The, the remake of Footloose as well. Oh, I didn't see the whole thing. I'm not going to lie and say I watched it because I did. I, <laughs> I, I watched part of it. I watched part of it, okay? My girl yeah. was finishing up watching it. And then I finally on Miles Teller for when, yeah. he, when he got dressed and he was like looking very much so like his father. I can't remember who the actor who played Goose in the first movie's name off the top of my head. Anthony but Edwards. I thought he played a really good version of like what Goose's son would look like. You know, with the mustache right. and the glasses, you know, when he, when he walks in to the, to the bar and he sits down and starts playing great balls of fire, like that's what goose looked like at the bar you know, at, at the, at the piano in the first one. So I thought they did a phenomenal job of, with transforming Miles Teller into, into goose's son. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought that too. I really did think it looked a lot like him and, and, um, yeah, the mustache helps. Yeah. <laughs> Without the mustache, mustache, you're like, all right, that's Miles Teller. With mm -hmm. the mustache, you're like, 
That could be Goose's kid. Definitely. Um, I, and then I last thought Hangman's one. character was was phenomenal as well. Like Which that one was Hangman. Oh, Hangman that guy. Was, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, Iceman two point Like yeah, 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 his foil. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was. He was. He was. Uh, I thought that my I thought that my girl was going to pull a muscle in the theater when she saw him without a shirt on. <laughs> um, so it makes me hate him. But uh, no, I don't. Um, no, uh, but he was good though. He was good. Um, I, I kind of saw really him coming him coming back at the end though to save him. So yeah, you know. I mean, I, I, that's the thing is I I like that they didn't use him very much. That you're like, right. all right, this is the best of the best of all of those people out there, and Tom Cruise is still like. You're not a team player. I can't. I can't have you on this mission. You know, like I just, it just can't be that way. But yeah, you you do kind of spoiler alert. See him coming at the end to to save the yeah. day. Okay, and then let's finally just hit the other one real fast. Jennifer Connelly is in the movie. Yeah, playing a character from the first Top Gun that we've only heard about. You know, okay. when I first watched this, I first watched the movie after we left the movie theater. My wife was like. I didn't care for the love story. Like, why Why did they need to include that love story? And at first I was like, well, it's because they had a love story in the first one, blah, 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 blah. And then I went to work and I started talking about the movie with a couple of the dudes who've seen, at work who have seen it. And I was like, I started saying, I'm like, you know, I could have taken or left the love story. And my one subordinate was like, no. He's like, she was so important. He's like, you don't remember her from the first one. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, <clears throat> he's like, uh, Jennifer Connelly's character, Penny Benjamin, Yes. was the Admiral's daughter that yes. the bald <laughs> commander is yelling at Maverick about in the first one. And I'm like, oh, it all makes sense now. Like how he had this like weird love relationship with her and, and why they brought her back. And it's like, I get why they didn't bring Kelly McGinnis back. And, you know, Kelly yeah, McGinnis. I think I, we all kind of know why. Yeah. I mean, she, she was interviewed <laughs> where she was like, look, I'm not a smoke show anymore. Like, what do you want me to do? Like, I got old. Like, Sorry, right. there's nothing I can do about it. And I, the fact that my, my subordinate, once my subordinate told me, like, hey, that was the Admiral's daughter that was brought up in, like, split second in the first one, it all made sense to me. And I told my wife, and she's like, oh, it makes sense now. Um, and she still looks pretty good, Jennifer. Conley. I'll tell you what, for 50-something years old. She is, like, 50-something, isn't she? She's like, I think she's, like, 52, something like that. She looks. She looks really good. Ah, so let's talk for a minute about uh, about how they made this movie. So making the movie. So Joseph Kaczynski has only, I believe, worked with one director of photography, and that's Claudio Miranda. Claudio Miranda won an Oscar for Life of Pi. Uh, but he also worked with um, he also worked with Kaczynski on Tron and on Oblivion. So he helped, so he shot this movie, and the big deal with this movie is that they're able to basically put very high definition cameras into the cockpits of these things. Yep. Now I have not been in the cockpit of an F eighteen. I imagine there's not that much room to fit a camera. I do know how big cameras are. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, to do that is a hell of a feat. Now I, let me ask you if you know this: Are there actually cameras now in modern fighter jets? Like, I mean, so they, I, they don't have, like, the equivalent of, like, a GoPro always looking at, like, a pilot for some reason. So I have I've flown in the backseat of an F-16, and mm-hmm. um, I'm six foot one, 240 pounds. I'll tell you right now, there's not a lot of room. Um, when you get strapped in, like, and you're taking off, there's just about enough room for your arms to sit and hold on to the, hold on to the handles before you take off. Like, that's – and then you got – because you got your screens, your heads-up display – uh, your your stick, your your uh, your throttle. There's not a whole lot of room. Um, right. Are there regularly cameras in the airplanes? No, um, because okay. um, we don't want, as a community, for what is seen on our screens to be recorded. We don't want that being recorded. Have there been times where where GoPros and stuff are added to airplanes? If there's like a public affairs mission, sure. But then those those recordings are heavily scrutinized. Um, but no, there's not regularly cameras in those airplanes. Gotcha. Okay. Um, I guess I don't really know why there would be if I think about it, because it's not like you're going to see anything. Like I mean, every, all of the pertinent information that they're going to get from the pilot, they're going to get through voice, right? 
Yeah, there. So there's no. there's you get voice. Um, then you can pull information out of other systems on on the aircraft to determine what was going on, whether that's any of the pods on the aircraft or anything like that. Uh, but no, there's really no reason to see like the pilot's face, if you will, while they're flying. I mean, we would, okay. we don't really have the ability to like send that information down so that we could like look at the pilot while he's flying and be like, "Hey, bro, you're looking a little pale." You know, like we don't have the the, the aircraft are too far away to even send that signal back. Okay, all right. So let's actually talk about the very beginning of the movie. The very beginning yeah. of the movie, we see Tom Tom Cruise, and he is farting around with his P fifty one Mustang. I love that um, plane. Yeah, that's it's a good looking plane. Flying that plane. Yeah, that's definitely a good looking plane. Um, I, uh, I mean, I mean, look, I have a working knowledge of things like planes and aircraft and stuff like that. My dad was not in the military, but he did fly a little personal, you know, single, you know, single prop plane. You know what I mean? As a hobby. So just from yeah. talking to him and understanding, and you know, being interested in. Uh, flying video games, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, you yeah. learn a lot about this stuff. Um, I thought that the plane that he was going to test fly was like going to be like some sort of like an SR-71 or something. But what is that plane? They called it a Dark Star, and I didn't start diving through Wikipedia to know about that plane. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist? Okay, well, that's good to know. <laughs> Thank God I didn't start looking for something that doesn't exist. And all of a sudden, the FBI is knocking on your door, like, "What kind of secret right. stuff are you looking for?" Um, I just watched the movie with Tom Cruise. Uh, you, on totally unclassified, it's you can re, you can Google it. The, the Chinese thought that that was a real plane, so they oh, were really? trying to research, like, "What did you find? Like, what is this plane? Like, what did what what are the Americans working on?" Kind of stuff. Uh, but no, it's not a real plane. It doesn't exist. And but is Mach 10 completely unreasonable in an oh, aircraft wait, insanely that, unreasonable. that isn't a uh, that isn't a space shuttle? You know what I mean? I mean, you're 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 talking like beyond hypersonic weapons at this point, right? And those and right. hypersonic weapons are are unmanned platforms. Like, um, yeah, no, you're not you're not the human body right now is not going to get to Mach 10. And I mean, don't get me wrong. There's someone in the world. There's probably somebody in the classified realm that could uh, dispute with me on that, and that's totally fine. But um, from what I understand, like Mach 10 is just not something that we're going to achieve right now, especially with a manned platform. All right. Gotcha. One one thing that you did see, and some people might not have noticed, is that there's a skunk on the back of that airplane's uh, vertical stabilizer. They saw that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I know that's, that that's an homage to Skunk Works. Yes. Uh, the people well, that build. Things like the SR seventy one and stuff like that. So they were giving them uh, just a little bit of a shout out in the movie to say, hey, you know, you've built a lot of planes like this. Like we're gonna let you have your moment in this movie. Well, there were parts of the inside of that plane that they showed, which doesn't exist. Yeah, um, and it says Lockheed Martin on it. It says yep. it says just you know because obviously like who else would they go to Boeing? But that would be it would be Lockheed Martin <clears throat> probably. Um, and I think Skunk Works is where they developed my favorite plane as a kid. I think with uh, the uh, the F-117 Nighthawk. The F-117, yeah. What I, I used to love those planes. Um, funny, funny story about it's the F-117. It's the most badass looking plane in the world. I mean, you know. The problem is the F-117's engines were too powerful oh. and it used to blow the tail off the back of it. So they had to, they had to retire the airplane. Also, when – when we lost one over Bosnia and we basically, pr uh, it proved that stealth technology isn't what we think it is, um, especially at that time. So we were like, all right, well, if, if legacy systems, if legacy surface to air missile systems in Bosnia can shoot down our F-117s, they're not worth what we thought they were worth. Um, but yeah, so uh, the F-117 is actually not an F platform because it's not a fighter. It's not a fighter jet. It's a bomber, but the problem yeah. is it flew like a fighter, and they needed fighter pilots to fly it. But fighter pilots in the Air Force will not fly something that has a B uh, in front of its number, and bomber pilots aren't aren't qualified to fly the F one seventeen the way they would fly their bombers. So they had to name it the F one seventeen, even though it was a bomber, because they needed fighter pilots to fly it. One of the former fighter pilots that I worked with uh, when I worked with F sixteens. He actually flew F one seventeens in Gulf War One, and he was trying. He was telling us all about it and stuff. So, fighter pilots flew the F one seventeens. 
Oh, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah. We had to, we had to um, trick the pilots into doing their jobs. <laughs> uh, okay. So going through the plot. So again, um, all right. So basically Maverick decides that he has to uh, push the envelope, of course, again, because General uh, Ed Harris is coming to, to arrest him. He's so going to shut, shut the program down, yeah. He's going to shut the program down. Um, so he goes to Mach 10 uh, and ends up having to eject, I guess. Yeah, that's not going to happen. You can't eject that Mach 10. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you can't eject that Mach 10. It's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> There's a, there, was an, there was an article recently that talked about a pilot that ejected it like, I think it was like Mach 1.2 and was like, <laughs> it was miraculous that he survived. Um, but interesting, like you're, you're saying that is I actually read, I read a fan theory about this film in that they're saying that the whole sequence that happens after Maverick uh, ejects is all of Maverick, is all of right before Maverick dies during the ejection or during the, the, um, the burning oh, of the okay. plane. Right, and, right, right, like, right, right. Reconnecting with Rooster, saving the day one more time, getting Penny right. Benjamin, you know, all of that. His all last the things synapses are do. firing and yep. it's Top Gun too. Yep. <laughs> but, all right. Know, fan, fan theory, whatever, but yeah, you're not, you, if, if an aircraft breaks up at Mach 10.2, which is I think what he was at, you're not surviving that. Like, it's just not right. going to happen. You're burning up with the aircraft, and it's going to be like you're burning up really fast. So, Maverick survives. Yeah. <laughs> Maverick survives. He survives and end up in a, ends up in like a bumpkin town. I forget yeah. where he ended up. And um, probably somewhere over Nevada. Right. I think, I think they say that. And yeah. um, he, uh, they pull him in. He's like, listen, look, I know what you did was stupid, but we now have to give you the most important job in the entire world, <laughs> which is – hold on. Like it's really not a joke. It's the most important job in the entire world. There is a mission, a apparently unsanctioned mission <clears throat> to blow up a nuclear material enrichment plant yep. from an overseas country. That has that is advanced enough to have what they're calling Generation Fight Five fighters, which are the equivalent of like RF twenty two. Yep, a very advanced fucking plane. And while we don't hear who it is, and there are theories out there, this would literally start World War Three. <laughs> it would it would start the end of civilization as we know it right <laughs> easily um and, and we yeah, need so, tom cruise which is why he's in the which is why yeah. we made we need tom cruise to pull off this mission that nobody in the rest of the world can pull off right this you know 50 something year old fighter pilot that right. hasn't flown a fighter plane in you know 20 something years and he's going to go fight uh he's gonna go fight you know fifth gen fighters which yeah you're right nobody ever says what adversary that we're going to attack and yeah. when i went to work where there were people that were like oh we were going after iran and i was like look man iran doesn't have mountain ranges like that there's not snow-capped mountain ranges in iran i was like so the plane the fifth gen fighter that there's that they show in the movie is a real plane and it's called it has a, a couple names um uh, the uh, Su-57, Pac-FA, T-50, and it's a Russian airplane. Russian aircraft, that I know. It was the Russians' copy of our F-22. Um, so, but yeah, we don't talk about uh, who we're going to, going to attack. Um, and what's funny is that they're like, in the plot, in the, in the movie, they're like, we're going to use, our adversary is going to use the most advanced fighter airplane that they that they have, which is equivalent yes. to our F-22. Yes. But we're going to send in our 1980s, Super Hornets, yes. 1980s, yes. upgraded to 1990s, Super Hornets, maybe they upgraded the radars, I don't know, um, to fight fifth-gen fighters mm -hmm. that have the capability to do what you saw them do in the movies, but we're going yes. to protect this site with 1970s surface-to-air missile systems. Mm. It's like, that, 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 that doesn't make sense. 
what? Mm. Uh, the adversary is not. So the the missile system you see in the movie is an SA three missile. It is a surface to air missile, radar guided. They're Russian systems, much like the aircraft is a Russian system, but they park these things on mountain ranges, which is kind of unique in itself because mountain. You do park if you put surface to air missile systems on on mountains. That's one thing, but if you get below those mountains, they're not going to be able to see you because they're radar guided systems. Um, but then, but then to to be like, all right, we're going to go fight fifth gen with our fourth gen, fourth gen maybe fourth gen plus fighters. That's just not a fight we would want to get into, like at all. So they def uh, they had to shoehorn in a reason as to why we're going to the filmmakers are going to go through this nostalgia trip and use old fighters okay yep because to, to use the f-16 would be so ridiculous that the fa-18 is less ridiculous somehow so apparently i went back and i tried to i, I learned why apparently the idea was there's gps blocking in an area and they can't use a plane with GPS in it. So instead of the most advanced fighter we have to again, go on the most important mission in the, in the United States right now, because it will start world war three. Okay. Instead of using an F 35 or an F 22, even we go back and we use an F 18. I think the GPS thing is total bullshit. I think um, so too. <laughs> our, all, all of our aircraft have GPS in them. I right. think that the DOD was like, we're not letting you use our F-22s. We're not letting you use our F-35s. Um, you can use our F-18s. And then we'll make up some story about why. Because, I mean, look, F-22s, F-35s cost an inordinate amount of money to operate. F-18s, not quite so much. Um F-22s and F-35s require even more specialized pilots um, and the likelihood that we you would have like, Tom Cruise. What yeah. do you, what more do you need? You know, going, going back to the question about putting cameras in the aircraft, there's no way on, on any given Sunday that the DOD is going to allow cameras in the F-22 and F-35 cockpits. It's just never going to happen. So they're all. that important. Those, those planes are that important to, to the Air Force, I guess. Yes. I mean, and the F-18 isn't. The F-18, it's important. The F-16 is important, especially as they get upgraded. But they're not the same. They're on different They're on different levels. Um, the F-22s and F-35s are just that important. No cameras going in those aircraft. Right. No, so, yeah, we, we, we can say, oh, there's something about the GPS. No, the DOD wouldn't like cameras in the F-22s and 35s. Huh. And don't get me wrong, I'm not speaking for the DOD. That's just what I, I'm. I'm, I'm guessing. Right. I'm right, guessing with right. a certain degree of certainty that I, I think. Yeah, no, it makes. Yeah, it does make some sense. So, in order to accomplish this mission, we have Top Gun again. We have uh, Gun. we have a bit of a competition um, between guys and gals. Now, we have a couple characters come back uh, from long. So we have uh, Warlock who was one of the guys that was in Top Gun with Maverick in the first movie. And obviously we have Val Kilmer. What's his name? Doesn't come back. Tom, not Selleck. Oh, the, the, man, the, the mustache. Uh, is he dead? Uh, Viper. Viper. Yeah, didn't yeah, come yeah, back. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess they had. It's true. It's true. I, the um, one thing I wish they would have done, I wish... So when, when Goose died and they had to bring – he had to get a new backseater or a new reel as they called it. And he got that, that – I, I don't know the, the actor's name, but he had the, the black guy who was his reel. I was so hoping that that guy who played his reel in Top Gun 1 was going to be the, the admiral who was the black guy in Top Gun 2. As if to be like, you know, I'm cheering for you. Because he does. Like, the, 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 the Admiral is not John Hamm. is essentially cheering for Maverick the entire movie. To be like, yes, please be successful. Um, and right. I was so hoping that the same actor would just be, like, go from, you know, we'll just bring him down, much like we had Val Kilmer, um, you know, continue to succeed. I was so hoping that same guy would be in the movie as just, like, he's a two-star Admiral, just like Maverick should have been. But 
it was a different it was a different actor yeah yeah it wasn't the same guy but at least they had you know they they you know just some cohesion i like you know a little bit, I mean? a little bit yeah you know, trying to go through so we have uh you learn all right so let's we have the top gun begin uh the competition begin and you have who's a hangman was uh miles teller's uh uh nice. adversary in it yeah so um one of the things that was interesting, they didn't show really, other than everyone getting shot down by Maverick, they didn't necessarily show anyone making mistakes. Mm-hmm. I, you know what I mean? Like these are, these are, you know, the best fighter pilots that you can get. So yep. for them to be like, well, I went left when I was supposed to go right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, if I remember, they didn't necessarily treat them like boobs as much as they just couldn't do what Maverick asked. You know right. what I mean, and uh, right. and they would and he would basically fuck with them every chance that he got to yeah. prevent them from doing it, which was yeah. interesting because to him, and I think this is probably a little bit of his character is that he had to win. You know what yeah. I mean? He had to, you know, uh, yeah, sure. He put these people in situations that they can never get out of. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? It's the Kobayashi Maru from Star Trek. You know what I mean? It's like, well, what could you, you know, you have a the worst choices in the world that you can make. As opposed to just doing what he was supposed to do, which was just show him how to fucking do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just show it that it could be done in order to make sure that they knew they could listen to him. Yep. You know what I mean? He wasn't he wasn't leading by example, which so, is like business one oh one. And that's and, and so two points. One, Maverick flat out told him, like, I'm not an instructor. Like I don't I don't know how to instruct them. And and you're right. They weren't doing anything wrong. And so the Air Force has a, has a program just like – so the Top Gun program in reality is – in real life is not called Top Gun. It's called like the Joint Strike Fighter Tactics Course or something like that uh, in the Navy. The Air Force has a program called Air Force Weapons School um, in which intel people and, all, and pilots get to go through this program. And the idea is not that when you leave these programs, you know how to do all these crazy maneuvers or really um, – <clears throat> you you know how the aircraft operates up until its operational limits. You know how, you know where you can push limits and things like that. But a lot of what what that te- what those those schools teach you is one how to how to conduct combat operations. Not necessarily like oh I'm going to do all this crazy stuff that you've never seen in an aircraft before, but more so like how do I take four aircraft or uh, you know fifty aircraft. And how do I conduct an operation? Um, and how do I coordinate all of that? And how do I uh, take everything that I know and everything I know about all the aircraft in my in my package? How do I take all that and conduct operations? So it's not really so much of how do I make the F eighteen do six back backflips and three barrel rolls and you know somehow come out behind my 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 adversary and and shoot him down with an A nine X. It's, and that's what I think a lot of people think Top Gun and, you know, some of these, you know, fighter programs are all about is how do I make my aircraft go, woo, bang, you know? Yeah, they had some of that that I think is bullshit. <laughs> you um, know, they had uh, – there was some – there was one or two. Then again, I don't know if it's true. I don't know if it can happen, but there were situations where it looked like uh, basically the plane would rotate on an angle. Are you talking about the rotate, – Rotate on a – not an angle. On an axis, it would rotate on an a- on an axis that, looking at it, like there's no there's no thrust sending it in that direction. So how does so, it do it? Are you talking about like especially that adversary aircraft when it kind of does that weird spin over their their yes. cockpit? So that plane can do that. Um, it can do that. So there's do a. We have there, one that can do that. Uh, sort of. Um, sort of. It, here's the thing. While it seems like that's a really cool thing, it's actually – it's a really cool thing for about half a second. And if it doesn't uh, equate to what you're trying – what whoever's flying that aircraft to do, you've lost a metric ton of energy. And now you have to regain all that energy to get your forward momentum going again. But so a PAC-FA or T-50 or T-57, um, that has what's called thrust vectoring. Thrust so if vectoring. you're looking at like this little F-35 right here. 
This little F-35 has a one-way canister that just points straight down. The F-35 does not have thrust vectoring because all of its thrust is directed in one direction, where a, a Su-57, uh, Pac-FA, or T-50, um, all of those aircraft have three-dimensional thrust vectoring, meaning that the cans on the back of that aircraft can rotate in different directions. So in theory, in theory with thrust vectoring, if the plane is flying like this, in theory with thrust vectoring, it can quite literally turn like this, fire, and go back to flying straight again. So when you saw that plane go like this, like in a weird position over the F-18, in theory, the Su-57 should be able to do that because it has three-dimensional thrust vectoring. Um, uh, the F-22 has two-dimensional thrust vectoring, meaning that its cans only rotate up and down. And the idea there is how do we whip the nose of the plane around quickly so that we can get our shot off earlier than our, uh, than our adversary. And now I knew that was gonna be a big thing. Like, can an airplane actually do? Can those airplanes actually do that? Yeah, they can. They one hundred percent can do that. Mm. It's wild. Yeah, that that knowing anything about like the way physics works and stuff, it does seem crazy. Yeah, like um, it, sh it probably shouldn't work like that, but with three dimensional thrust vectoring, it can work like that. Okay. Let's see here. Uh, all right. So going back. So um, basically. We learn through uh, Tom Cruise eventually trying to bang uh, what's her face, uh, Jennifer Connelly. Penny Benjamin. Yeah. Yes, Penny Benjamin. That's right. Yes. Um, we learn that uh, the reason why the extra little wrinkle in the plot is that apparently uh, Maverick, I guess, pulled Goose's son's. Uh, mm -hmm. application to the air force or the navy yep really. naval academy yep and lost him for four years which i guess at that point maybe he went to college maybe he didn't yeah but um that's that's kind of the you know that's the underlying you know real kind of meat of the of the dynamic between him and rooster um yeah him trying to regain rooster's love or trust or whatever yeah right um and then finally, uh, something gets accelerated or something like that. It's like I don't know, something happened, and they're like, "We got to go do his mission like tomorrow." So he has to, he has to, he has to pick in that scene of you know who's going to be um, well. Part of there's himself. a key part in the plot that I, I think that you missed when I missed uh, he actually shows them that it can be done after John Hamm. Yeah, fires yeah, him. yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah. I thought I mentioned that before, but maybe I forgot it. Maybe I was just thinking it. But yeah, basically, um, yeah. Once, um, once Val Kilmer dies, then there's no one covering him, so there he gets no fired. Basically, him. yeah, he gets yeah. fired. And yeah. here, here's the thing: when, when, when he, he, uh, and then John Hamm's like, "Hey, look, you know, you had two hundred, you had two minutes and thirty seconds to do it before. I'm going to give you four minutes now." And all the air crew is like, "Wait a minute! Like, you're telling us now." At two minutes and 30 seconds, there was a, a small chance that we were going to have to fight fifth gen. At four minutes, we're definitely going to have to fight fifth gen. Yeah. And they had no confidence whatsoever that they can conduct this mission because they failed over and over and over and over and over. And then all of a sudden, you know, on the on the scope behind them, you know, a jet pops up. And John Hamm looks at it and goes, who the hell is that? Like, what are you right. doing out there? That's one of those things, like, that would never happen. Right. Like you're never you're never gonna be able to just you know put your flight gear on, walk out to an airplane, uh, you know, gen it up, and just be like, oh, I'm gonna go take it out on the range today. Like that doesn't happen. Well, <laughs> it has his name on. I mean, does he not have the keys? Are there keys for it? So is it, is there like a key fob that they have? You, you need the aircraft fueled. The aircraft aren't just sitting there fueled like on a regular basis. Like you have to fuel the aircraft. Um, and to start the aircraft up, you need like an auxiliary power unit that is a generator that gets the generator going in the plane. Like, and there's a whole crew to get this going. And once, once, once the pilot taxis away from the the, the like the operations area or where the, the aircraft's parked, the weapons aren't armed yet. Like, you still have to go to an area to arm the airplane because nobody wants live bombs sitting close enough to to people that they, if they go off. So you have to go arm the airplane. So when he drops bombs. You know, theoretically, what they're saying is that Maverick took a plane that wasn't on a flight schedule, 
didn't tell air traffic control because essentially air traffic control has your flight plans taxis out to the arming area climbs out of the plane that he's already been strapped into somehow got the plane refueled and ginned up ready for this and, and turned on by himself went out to the arming area and armed and armed his own plane by pulling all the pins climbed back in the airplane plugged himself in and then took off without being stopped by anybody of of uh, security forces or air traffic control and then to say oh i'm gonna go into the range and then be like oh you're not you're not coming into you are on the schedule today he's like i'm going anyways that doesn't happen like there are so many protocols in place to be like you can't just walk out and steal an, uh, an f-18 like that doesn't happen well tom cruise is very charming he, he you know he would easily charm his way into uh, you know uh, a military aircraft I mean, if Tom Cruise asked me for an airplane, I'd, I'd toss him the keys and be like, go get him, boss. But, you know, so, but then, so then he does it in two minutes and 15 seconds. And really, like, him trying to drop those bombs by himself the way he did would be the equivalent of Luke Skywalker using the force to shoot the, 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 those shots into the exhaust vent of the Death Star. Like, yeah, well, I, I feel like, yeah, I feel like the, the similarity here between a literal trench run. And Star Wars, the final part of Star Wars, I think is yeah. just a trope that, as as easy as it is, I think we should just it's a, it's the world's most obvious thing. Yeah. Okay, it's exactly yeah. what is at the end of Star Wars. That's exactly what we're doing uh, here. Now, here's a here's a question. Um, again, like forget all the extra stuff here. It would it would they are literally fine by the end of the movie. Okay, skip forward to the end of the movie here. So at the end of the movie, the final, the final mission, the mission, they do the trench run. Okay. They survive the trench run. They, for some reason, I guess, have to, have to go inverted and spin upside down. Instead of pushing down, they pull up and go upside down. They, they do it. How come they didn't just fire missiles at this thing from like the aircraft carrier? They fire Tomahawk missiles, like a shit ton of them, and they mm -hmm. blow up a runway. So they've already now attacked the 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 enemy, okay, a foreign nation, okay? Mm -hmm. Why can't they fire missiles at these two uh, Su-57 planes that are flying around and shoot them down from the aircraft carrier? And how come an aircraft carrier can't, with a drone a or something just drop a bomb on these things why do we have to do it i know there would be no movie but there's got to be a better answer there's got to be a better answer than we're trying to make a movie come on like like what could be the logic of this so why would we just do it all remotely shoot so everything missiles, down remotely cruise missiles are designed to hit coordinates so mm -hmm. they don't just you know um and also cruise missiles don't fly very fast I know you're seeing them flying over Tom Cruise's crew and they're just like whipping across the sky. But in reality, cruise missiles don't fly very fast um, compared to like an air to air missile or compared to an aircraft flying like, um, you know, 600 nautical miles an hour. A cruise missile can't hit an aircraft unless it's by accident. Um, cruise missiles are designed to say, hey, boop, 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 here's your coordinates, go hit that target. And with a moving right. aircraft, you're never going to be able to hit hit a hit a moving target with a cruise missile. It's just never going well, to. Well, no, I I wouldn't imagine a cruise missile. I mean, like there there is no anti-aircraft weaponry on a boat like that. I mean, other than like Sea Whiz, which is like you got to be like you got to be like right there. Yep. But um, but so, I mean, there isn't somebody that's just like I don't know. I have I have I don't know, a mile a mile. They can't hit a mile. So those Maybe. the the cruiser the, um, first well, aircraft carriers don't have anything like that to defend themselves. Aircraft carriers use the aircraft to defend the aircraft carrier. Um, miss those the cruise missiles came off of guided missile destroyers, um, guided missile destroyers, cruisers, frigates. They may have something that can uh, attack in uh, incoming aircraft, but the problem is those missiles are usually um not they don't usually have the legs to go as far as the su 57s were away from uh the um uh carrier task group um those su 57s never would have gotten close enough to that carrier task group because they knew it was certain death if they got close enough 
Um, so yeah, there's really not a missile that would have had the legs to get as far away as Maverick and his crew was doing their mission. Hmm. Is there other possibilities? Like, yeah, we probably could have taken a B-1 and, and, you know, used air launch cruise missiles and then Tom Cruise doesn't have to do his role. Um, but yeah, a, a drone probably isn't going to drop a bomb big enough. Uh, our drones don't drop bombs as big as what was being probably being dropped from these F-18s. Um, drones also have altitude uh, ceilings, which may, maybe that's an issue here. I don't know. I don't know how tall that mountain was. Um, there's a number of reasons why some of those possibilities aren't there. Um, yeah. Or there's no movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's um, funny is when when they actually are getting into the fight, if you will, and those surface to air missiles that are coming after the aircraft, um, I always thought this is funny. And and Air Force people that kind of understand, and Navy uh, operations people that kind of understand, this is one of our big hit the make believe button situations. So when you see these dudes just dumping flares all over the place, like trying to defeat these missiles, flares don't work against those missiles at all. Like, not even the littlest bit. Like, flares would not do anything because those are radar-guided missiles that were shot at them. Flares only work against infrared-guided missiles. And the, you can really tell the difference as an infrared-guided missile kind of has a translucent or a semi-translucent uh, cover on its nose cone, where a radar-guided missile has just, like, your typical uh, sheet metal-covered nose cone and the, the radar frequency um, energy you can get out of the nose cone. So the missiles that you were looking at in the movie are radar-guided missiles. So to say, hey, flare, 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 that's not going to do anything. What you would need to use is chaff, but the problem is you can't see chaff come out of an aircraft because it doesn't do what flares do. Um, so that's one of those make-believe buttons for, some, for people that know how those systems work and that I understand that they're not going to be like, oh, chaff, 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 because you're not going to see chaff coming out of the back of the aircraft like you'll see flares coming out of the no. back of the aircraft. I kn I've I've heard of chaff and I understand what it does, but what is chaff? I mean, I understand chaff, what flare is. A flare is a flare. Yep, chaff is essentially uh, like hair, like as thin as your as a piece of hair uh, metal strips um, that are in bundles, and when you dispense them out of the back of the aircraft, it goes into the, into the aircraft's jet stream and it creates this big metal this big plume of just shards of metal in the air, so that when radar energy or uh, uh, yeah, radar energy hits that that plume of um, of uh, sheets of uh, shards of metal in the air. It will reflect that radar energy back and say there's something there, and it has the ability to try to trick a radar guided system into saying that's my target. Uh, much like much like with uh, flares for infrared guided missiles, flares will say will tell the system, hey, that's my target, not the thing that's over here that just dumped those flares. Or so we hope. That's the plan, I guess. Yeah. Um, so getting near the end here. So let's see here. Uh, our heroes are shot down after Tom Cruise <clears throat> sacrifices himself, we think. Really, just as saves, saves Miles Teller. To save, to save Rooster. Um, Rooster then goes and saves Tom Cruise by blowing up a obviously Russian helicopter. Um, <laughs> um, and then gets shot down himself. And then they now have to sneak into a plane and somehow Tom get... Cruise, Tom yeah. Cruise getting shot down in my mind during that movie. I literally went, no! Um <clears throat> And I'm not gonna lie. I was kind of okay lie. with it, actually. I thought it would have been a good ending in that, like, there was no. I don't know. He just did what he, like that. Like he did something heroic. There wasn't no, you know. There was but a part of me. There was a part of me that thought, as sad as I am about that scene, I can deal with Tom Cruise dying right here as a hero, to save Rooster. And then Rooster goes on to forgive him and all this other stuff. Sure. Uh, but I get it. You know, it's still Maverick. It's Maverick's movie. I mean, it's literally Top Gun Maverick. Excuse me. And then, yeah, Miles Teller comes in and shoots down an MI-24 Hind that is literally jenning up its gun to, to blow Tom Cruise away. And then Rooster gets shot down by the Su-57s and uh, – or the, no, sorry, I think I shot down by a surface air missile. And then they have to go in and try to steal an airplane. Right. Again – 
we're going to hit the make believe button right now. Yeah. Um, so when they were talking about the mission and they were going over, it's like, you know, so, you know, this is what you'll see. We have, you know, fifth generation fighters and yeah. they got a couple F-14s and I'm like, that'll play a part. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of coming to huge here because <clears throat> we, you know, in the preview, you see where it has that like that gong sound and the F-14 comes over the mountain range. You had to know that the, the F-14 was coming in somewhere and, I, I highly doubt it was going to be Tom Cruise's, um, you know, mental image as he's dying you know, after saving Rooster. But again, I think that's one of those like make believe button things where Tom Cruise knows how all that equipment works and can quickly train Rooster on how to gen up an F-14 that probably hasn't been flown in a long time, is arguably probably not fueled at the time. Um, right. You know, and to be able to like take that thing out. Here, another one of these the things. So, so he he gets away, right? They take off, loses his landing gear, you know, on the on the takeoff, yeah, hitting a building. <laughs> um, and he gets up in the in the air, and all of a sudden the the Su fifty sevens are coming up on him, and he's like, "All right, just put your mask on, like we're gonna hide real quick, and hopefully they don't shoot us down." Um, <clears throat> no, again is a make-believe button because those Su-57s are not going to get that close where you can do like a visual inspection of who's in the cockpit kind of thing. Like that's what they, you know, they probably called them over radio a couple of times and when they didn't answer, they'd probably just shoot them down at, at that point. But you know, without, right. without that hangman can't save the day. <clears throat> right. There were, you, ever, um, you ever seen the movie um, White House Down? With Jamie Foxx. No, uh, it was, um, was it, I think it was Channing Tatum or Gerard Butler. One of them was like uh, North Koreans apparently took over the White House or, or something like that. And um, the way they got in, they infiltrated Washington was to fly a C-130 as small as a small cargo plane uh, down the Potomac River and two F-22s oh. within like 50 feet of it right. and they shoot the F-22s down. That's not how that works. Like you either answer the call, you don't answer the call. We're gonna we're gonna do some maneuvers to try to get your attention. If you don't answer those 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 calls, if you will, you're getting shot down. I think the same thing would have happened to Tom Cruise in terms of what the adversary would have done to be like, hey, you're not answering our calls. We're not gonna pull up next to you so that Tom Cruise can hit the brakes, light this dude up, you know, with the F-14 Tomcat's uh, gun, and then try to go, you know, balls to the wall against the other Su-57 flying around through the trenches like that's that's just not going to happen like they're going to shoot him down much earlier than that your final thoughts on the movie i know obviously it's a fun movie and there is some stuff that um like you said you got to turn your brain off a little bit especially with everything that you know about what you're looking at um what were your thoughts generally on the movie i absolutely love the movie i loved it i was a, a super big fan um I'll tell you right now, I was actually kind of apprehensive going into the movie at first. Um, and um, one reason was, so I've I've done an entire briefing on the Chinese influence in Hollywood. Like, I, I, I put together a briefing on the Chinese influence in Hollywood. And if you look at the original, um, the original, like, posters of the movie, is Tom Cruise has his 1986 jacket on with all the, the patches on the back of it. And in 1986... The Japanese and the Taiwanese flags are actually on his jacket. If fast forward to right before COVID, when the movie was supposed to be released during COVID, they started putting the movie posters out. And if you look at the back of his jacket, they removed the Japanese and the Taiwanese flags. Now, that's hmm. because there's three things you cannot talk about in a movie in in uh, in China. Uh, Tiananmen Square, Taiwan, and Tibet. So removing those flags. And they also don't like the Japanese, but... I was I was actually pleasantly surprised that when I saw the movie, Tom Cruise actually had the Japanese and the Taiwanese flags re-added to his jacket because there was so much uh, backlash against the fact that we are appeasing the Chinese. Um, but so I was a, I wanted to see it really bad, but I was a little bit apprehensive to be like, you know, are we going to reduce our American bravado um, uh, mindset in this movie or what are we going to do? And in reality, we ab- we absolutely loved I absolutely loved the fact that we got to see um, you know, American exceptionalism in our military again in a movie. Um, and from what I understand, the Chinese are pissed off about it, but who cares? 
Um, we so I love the I love the fact that they did realistic. I love the fact that Tom Cruise put the you know the actors in airplanes and saw because I've flown an F sixteen. I know what seven to eight Gs feel like, and your face is literally doing this while you're trying to fly, and it's painful and it's and it's and it's uncomfortable. Um, I loved it, even though you have to hit the make believe button. That's fine with me. I thought it was really good. Um, I was worried going into it, and I'll tell you why. I made the mistake of that the first couple of days that it came out. I really try not to have my news feed filled up with anything very partisan on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, so much so that anytime like there's an article of something that comes out in the news, I will purposely stay away from incredibly, notably biased news sources. But what happens is when I go to work, I'm not logged into anything. And so it spits everything at me. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd seen something. And apparently as soon as Tom, as soon as Maverick, um, the, the movie, uh, made something like $300 million or something like that, a very conservative news outlet put up a big headline in the Google News feed. Something about how uh, liberals are upset that Maverick made $300 million and blah, 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 blah. And I'm looking at it, I'm like, fuck. I really didn't want to go see the movie actually after that because I was yeah. worried that it was going to be this bullshit, um, uh, jingoistic, just dumpster fire of a movie where yeah. uh, the idea of pushing America and its exceptionalism uh, to the point of nauseam, I can't stand. Yep. This movie was none of that. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't feel it. I mean, yeah, no. Look, obviously, look, we have, we have, we have, we have very attractive people doing very fun and interesting and fun and attractive things. Okay, and yeah. it's dangerous and it's fast and it's exciting. Yeah. That's great. There weren't. Well, there were a couple of big American flags, but it wasn't. It, it, they they didn't have a political message, which I was really happy about. So I much agree. so that they're just like, we don't, they're just like, the enemy is the enemy. You yeah. know what I mean? Like there was nothing to say about it other than that's the bad guys. You know what I mean? Similar to what they did in um, the first movie. I don't remember them actually saying it was Russia. You know what yeah, I mean? I don't, I don't Which remember, is what I just figured yeah. it was because it was in the 80s, you know? Yep. Yeah, um, I, I don't remember what they said. The only reason I would assume in, in the first one that it was the Russians because they called them MiG-28s. Yeah, they're MiGs, which, yeah, I know a MiG is a Russian plane. Yep. But there were MiG-20. There is no MiG-28. Nope. There is no, no such thing as a MiG-28. <laughs> there is no such thing as a MiG-28. That I know too. And the planes you see flying in there are F-5s. Like they're trainer planes today. Are they really? Oh, wait. Thinking about what they look like. Yeah, they're – what's it? No, the F-4 Phantom. What's the F-5? The F-5, F-5 is, is just the F-5? We, no, we, no, 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 no. But there's a name for it. Oh, I think it's the Because like there's the F-4 Phantom. Yeah. Then there's yeah. F five something. I think it's F five Tiger. I don't know. It's something like that. Um, um, but we sold them, sold them all to like other small countries. Right. Because now we can shoot them down with our with our digital planes. I don't know yeah. what planes are. <laughs> <laughs> this has been uh, this month's edition of the Nerd Enthusiast Movie Podcast. Thank you to thank you to Brandon for being on the show and 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 definitely adding a bunch of insight I knew nothing about. You know what I mean? And to get a movie like this, which is filled with interesting technical things, and to understand that it's all still a bunch of movie bullshit is really fun. Yeah. (laughs) Again, make sure, please, you follow all of the social medias. Uh, There will be a little box down at the bottom uh, saying what they are because I refuse to list them anymore. Um, I'll let you know uh, uh, one more thing. So the shout out that I wanted to talk about was Bernardo again. Bernardo, if if you're watching and you want, Go up on nerdthusiast.com and send us a message as to what movie we should watch for the next episode, okay? We'll get it, and it won't mean anything because it's going to be Thor. But thank you for being a Patreon. Um, <laughs> if you are not a Patreon, uh, please consider it. Um, go to patreon.com slash nerdthusiast. Um, otherwise, this has been this month's edition of the Nerdthusiast Movie Podcast. Thank you for watching. My name's Dane. It's Brandon. Thank you. Have a good one, man. Thanks. Thanks. It was good talking to you. See you later.